I can testify she's a good cook. When we got married, I was 155 pounds, and I'm a whole lot more than that tonight. So there's one downside of praying and asking God for a good cook that you're married to, and you can look at me tonight and see the downside of it. Uh, the Lord has certainly been gracious to us this week. I have thoroughly enjoyed the opportunity to be here, and I want to say thank you to the church for the offering to help Rock of Ages ministry to purchase that cutter. It's been a great blessing, and certainly a be used of the Lord to help produce literally millions of pieces of gospel literature from gospel tracts to Discipleship Institute material and also other books that we produce at Rock of Ages Ministries. I was thinking about Brother Hewitt and he was talking about ugly and beauty and so forth. I'm always reminded of John Morris. He said one time uh, he spent many years in prison and he got out and he uh, was speaking at a youth uh, conference and he said, I learned a long time ago, said some of you young people, you go by beauty. He said, I learned that beauty is only skin deep, but ugly goes all the way to the bone. And I was thinking about it when he made that statement tonight. Thank you for your support and allowing Mrs. Ellis and I and all the missionaries tonight to represent you on the mission field and to lay up treasure on your behalf in heaven. And I believe when we get to heaven, it's going to be those that sacrificially gave to help uh, all of us to do the work of the ministry. And thank God for the tires for Brother uh, Piercy tonight and what the Lord has done in his life and his ministry and for all the preaching that's taken place this week. It has certainly been a blessing to me personally. And then for the pastors that may still be here tonight that support missions, I would like to say thank you on behalf of all the missionaries. And we're certainly in a shortage of missionaries in the day and age we live. But there's one advantage to that, missionaries that are on deputation. There's more uh, churches that are looking for missionaries to take on for support. And I know even during the peak of the pandemic, we had uh, several of our missionaries got their support within a year, a year and a half as a result of that. And so we are grateful for that a part of it. I've been in the ministry, I've been preaching 44 years, soon be 37 years as a missionary. And more and more, I'm learning that it's not in our ability and necessarily our skills and our talents. It's wholly leaning upon the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit of God to have his will and way in our life. Now tonight... I want to ask you to turn to the New Testament book of Luke. I started out on um, a simple thought, a series of messages I was going to preach through the week on the faith of the patriarchs and took a very brief overview of Abraham and then Isaac the other night. And I was going to look at Jacob tonight, but today the Lord impressed in my heart to go to Luke chapter number 6. And so I didn't fully understand at the time, but after Brother Hewitt preached tonight, it's amazing how the Lord puts things together. We start out in the Bible with Barnabas and Saul going to the mission field, and the Bible puts it in that order, Barnabas and then Saul. And you're only a few verses away till the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, changes those, and it becomes Paul and Barnabas. Paul becomes the primary figure in world missions and evangelization. He takes the forefront of missions. We find that there were conflicts on the field, but on the second trip, it was Paul and Silas. But on the third trip, it was just Paul and Paul alone. And as you consider the matter, there's certainly a lot of uh, things, as even Brother Hewitt mentioned tonight, that uh, we need the encouragement, need the support, and I uh, thank God for those that are faithful to the call of God and the will of God. And tonight I want to speak on a subject matter that many uh, do not like in our Baptist churches. Um, but it is as important a part of missions as surrendering our life to missions and going to the field and acting in obedience and it has to do with the financial aspect of world missions and evangelization. There can be every single person in this room tonight surrender to missions and go to the field, either home or abroad. And tonight, I don't want to be controversial, but I've often said this, 
when you consider the Bible, many people consider the United States as a home mission and everything outside of our borders as a foreign mission. And I understand the concept. I use that phrase and concept myself. But in biblical context, the home mission is Jerusalem. And everything outside of Jerusalem in biblical context is foreign missions. And so the United States of America tonight in biblical context is a foreign mission field, even though we live here. And we're becoming one of the great mission fields, the third largest populated nation on the planet Earth, second only to China and India. And India is only about 40 million away from surpassing China in their world population. And so uh, tonight, all of us could surrender to go world missions and go to the foreign field or go to the home field or wherever it may be. But we need the resources in order to get the job done. Uh, we need resources for Bibles, resources for tracts, resources for fuel, resources for tires. We need resources in order to be able to uh, build buildings, pay rent, and things of that nature. And so tonight I want to preach on those resources by the grace of God. And so if you would, you'd please stand with me tonight in Luke's Gospel, chapter number 6, and I'll uh, try to be brief tonight. I'll try not to be too long. But as I look at this passage of Scripture, I want to speak on the law of the harvest, God's instruction for giving, or the law of the harvest. And I want to read one verse of Scripture tonight, and it's found in verse number 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. You may be seated. As we consider this passage of Scripture, God has just laid out in the Scripture and in the text the law of the harvest concerning the matter of giving. Now, I know in the context we could look at it from a different perspective concerning giving, and it's not just of finances. I believe that it applies to talent and time and our resources, but I want you to notice several things in this passage of Scripture. This passage of Scripture, when the Holy Spirit of God gave it to me, I was in a missions conference and a missionary was presenting his ministry, and he referenced Luke 6.38. And as I began to read it, instantly the Holy Spirit of God convicted my heart, and I saw this passage of Scripture as I've never seen it before. And I wrote in the flyleaf of my Bible, and the Holy Spirit later began to deal with me on this message, and my thought was simply this. In this passage of Scripture, there is one word of, prom uh, one word of command and 39 words of promise. The command is one word, give. And there are 39 words following that are a promise in this scripture. Give, and it shall be given unto you, and you know the scriptures. And so tonight, as we look at this, God has principles, he has plans, uh, he has his divine order in which men are to follow in all things, from the universe to uh, the qualifications of ministry, uh, to the uh, outreach of a church, everything to the family, God has set things in order. And so now in this passage of Scripture, I would like to look very briefly tonight at five or six things as the Lord will allow uh, tonight considering this matter of God's giving instructions are the law of the harvest. Let's jump right into it tonight, if you would, please. Now notice with me in verse number uh, 38, the very first word, give. And so notice, if you would, please, the giver. God is our example on this matter. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
Greater love hath no man than this, and a man lay down his life in John 15 and 13. And so we find that God is the example on this matter. God never commands you and I to do that which he will not enable us to do or empower you and I to do and to perform according to the will of God. God commanded Moses to lead Israel out of the land of Egypt and Moses acted obedience and, and faith and as they went out, God gave them manna, God gave them quail, God gave them water from great debts. Why? Because God commanded and God always provides the necessary resources in order to see his will accomplished. He offers hope to the hopeless, he offers help to the helpless, salvation to sinners and eternal life to all who will believe and trust him. And the Bible says in Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to the riches of his glory by Christ Jesus. Now, notice he didn't say that he would give out of his riches and glory. The Bible declares that he will give according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And there's a vast difference in giving out of and giving according to. And there's a totally different standard. And many people today will give according to or out of their resources. If we get out of our resources tonight, we can set the standard of the giving. We can set it for a dollar or ten dollars or a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or whatever standard you want to set. That would be giving out of the resources that God gave. That would be you and I giving out of what we have to determine the matter. But the Bible says that he gave according to the riches of Christ didn't just give out of his resources. He gave according to the abundances of, of his amazing grace. He died on the cross, shed every drop of his blood, and offers salvation to all sinners. And he has the resources tonight. He owns a cattle of a thousand hills and all that it is. And God doesn't just give out of his resources. God gives according to his resources. With that being said tonight, I was thinking about Elon Musk. He's noted as the richest man on the earth. And according uh, to Forbes magazine, he is worth uh, to the year to date this year uh, $222 million, actually, or billion actually is worth is down a little bit from last year. But from the beginning of January to October, just a couple of days ago, it is estimated as worth is just over $222 billion. Now, if we take that $222 billion and we look at it as just income for this year, and I know it's building succession, but if you consider the worth that he has, that's $22.2 billion per month on the average income to meet the $222 billion that he's worth in the 10 months of this year. That would equal $7 billion per week. That equals to $755,000 million per day. Or it would equal $31.5 million per hour. Or it would compute to $8.7,000 every second. That is the worth of Elon Musk. Literally, if he dropped a $100 bill and it took him 10 seconds to stop, stoop over, reach over, pick it up, put it back in his wallet, it would cost him in that 10 seconds $80,700. It wouldn't be worth him wasting his time to bend over to pick it up. Wouldn't you like to walk behind him when he opened his billfold and a strong wind was blowing? 
and tell him don't waste your time. But you know, with all of that being said and with all the wealth and all the magnificent uh, resources that he has, I want to declare to you tonight that I know one, my heavenly father, and he owns a whole lot more than Elon Musk. He owns all that is and all that ever has been and all that ever will be. He owns a cat of a thousand hills and all that is is underneath the power, the divine authority, and in the resources of our divine God. He owns it all. 1 Kings 20 and verse number 3 declares, Thy silver and thy gold is mine, God says. Thy wives also and thy children, even the goodliest are mine. And God said, you don't own a thing. Everything you have is mine. It's on stewardship. It's on loan. And what you have is mine. And I have found that God can take it any time he wants, any moment he wants, and in a moment's second. I was preaching a conference some years ago and made some references about God been able to take our resources if we don't honor him with it. After the service, a man came up to me and he was weeping. He said, Brother Ellis, he said, uh, you made that statement tonight. He said, boy, did that ever hit home. He said, I felt impressed to the Lord for many months to give a large sum of money to missions and to our church and to the ministry. He said, I kept struggling with it and struggling with it. And I finally came to the conclusion, I can't do that. It's too much money. He said, I had my investments in the stock market. And he said, outside of my investments, my dividends, he said, that's what the Holy Spirit was impressing on my heart to give. He said, I wouldn't have lost any principle, just the dividends, the income, the resources. And he said, the Holy Spirit of God kept dealing and I rebelled against it. He said, and finally, after I had made my mind up that no, I'm not giving this to God, he said, the stock market crashed right there in 2008. And he said, I lost over, and I don't remember the exact number, it's over $250,000. And my thoughts were, I'd just like to have the money you had to invest to get the $250,000. But he said, literally, in a moment's notice, overnight, in a matter of hours or minutes, he said, I lost my entire investment. And he said, immediately, it's like as if the Holy Ghost of God said to me, just look what you could have done for the glory of God and the work of God had you been obedient to the Holy Spirit of God and given that to the ministry. I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty tonight, but I'm just simply saying there are a lot of God's people tonight that are hoarding that which God has given to them, which God wants. Uh, we can never give to God what he has not first given to us. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6, uh, 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 9 and 6. Notice the Bible says, He which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. And God is able, we heard this preached the other night by Brother Barker, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always, having all sufficiency. You know what that word always, having all sufficiency? That means will never go under where God's grace will not provide. We'll never be under circumstances that God is not able to sweep down in our circumstances and bring us out of the depths of despair and bring us out of the financial woes. We have a God who is sufficient in all things at all times. The Bible says that we may abound into every good work. 
Now he that ministered seed to the sower, both minister uh, bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. And that's what missions conferences and missions is all about. It's an opportunity to invest in the work of God, to invest, to invest and give uh, the missionary and the work of God and evangelism the resources that are needed. And I know I've heard this over the years that, you know, well, there's missionaries get caught on vacation, never do anything, and, and doing that's very minimal. That's it's right. minuscule. Right. 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 Yes, it has happened. But did you divorce your wife or spouse and walk away from them, the first argument you had? The first time you was overdrafted in the bank? I heard a preacher say I hadn't been saved too long. I don't know why it stuck out, but it did. I remember he said, he said, if bless God, if you open your checkbook and it's not flashing red and overdraft, he said, you're not right with God. And I told him at service, I said, brother, I've been right with God ever since I was born. There's no such Bible for that. A giver uses his assets and time and money and talents and possessions to advance the work of the Lord. To be a giver, we must give first ourselves unto the Lord. In 2 Corinthians, the Bible says in chapter 8 and verse number 5 that the Macedonian Christians, they first gave themselves unto the Lord. And then Paul said also unto us. In Acts 20 and verse number 35, he said, I have shared with you all things, how that so laboring you ought to be support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than receive. And I want to say to this church tonight and to Pastor Graveling that this church is one of the givenest churches I know. And it's an honor for each of us missionaries to represent you and to work out of this church. The Macedonian church, they were not a wealthy church. But boy, did they ever outgive the Corinthian church, that wealthy church concerning world missions. A little church I've been preaching in for a number of years just crossed the one. And we started out, they had about 30 to 32 giving units in the church for missions now they're down to about 18, and they just crossed the one and a quarter million dollar missions giving. And there's no one in the church that's wealthy. They've learned the success of tapping into the unlimited resources of God. One of our missionaries today was talking about a need of $35,000. I said, don't ever sell God short. Don't ever do it. God's able. God's able. He fed Israel in the wilderness. He led the children of Israel through. He gave them manna and quail and water from great depths. We serve a God who's able tonight. The law of the harvest of sowing and reaping. So Luke 6.38 implies that God has already given something for us to give back to him. In fact, we can never give to God what he hasn't already given to us. He wants us in this passage of scripture, to take the first step. Give, and it shall be given unto you. I've met a lot of people over the years that said, Preacher, if I ever win the lottery, I'm going to give God a large portion of it. Well, what are you doing playing the lottery to start with? <laughs> or, Preacher, when I get my rich uncle's inheritance, I'm going to do a lot for God. You know what the Bible says? Give, and it shall be given unto you. You know what God's saying? God says that most of his people says, Lord, when you give to me, I'm going to give it back. But God said, I'm waiting on you to take the first step. You give, and then I'll give. 
Give and it shall be given unto you. And so we find that God is wanting you and I to step out by faith. And we step out by faith and we give the first gift and God moves accordingly. The law of the harvest is we must sow in order to reap. And so God says, give and it shall be given unto you. One rears, we said that ministry takes place when divine resources meet divine human needs. Amen. That's what happened tonight with the tires. That's what happened the other night with a ton of paper. That's what happened uh, this week with the uh, cutter for the Rock of Ages ministry. That's what happened with the missionaries who've taken on, we've taken on for support tonight. It is divine resources uh, meeting the divine opportunities that God has given to us. Bob Cook said this. He said, if you explain um, what's going on, God probably is not doing it. If you can explain it, God probably didn't have anything to do with it. When we become channels of God's resources, God responds. Galatians 6, 7, 8, and 9. And of course, we know it. I'm just going to quote a portion of it. He says, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. One Risby also went on to say, that, sad to say, much seed is wasted on carnal things that can never bring glory to God. Amen. Ministry is not something we do for God. Ministry is something God does through us. Yes. Philippians 2.13, we all uh, know this. For it is God which worketh in you not to will and to do of his good pleasure. You know how we get our faith strengthened? Not by striving after faith. But Hudson Taylor said we get our faith strengthened by resting in the faithful one. When we were on deputation ministry and there's those hurdles that you'll run up against at certain percentages, usually around 30, 35%, then you'll hit another round 55, 60%, another round 70%, 75%, and you just kind of come against a block wall, somewhere in those percentages or increments that are there. God puts every missionary through it. And you'll get to those things, and uh, you'll struggle maybe for a while, then you get over that, and you go right on. Persistence wins the day, if I could put it that way. And perseverance. But as we were on deputation, and we were uh, hitting those brick walls, you know what we found? We determined if we start giving, we increase our missions giving. This is us now. If we increase our missions giving, all of a sudden, we got over that hurdle. Churches started taking us on for support. Churches we'd been in a year or two earlier while we was on deputation started writing in out of the blue and taking us on for support. And I'm just simply saying, missionaries give as well, and we cannot outgive God, or we, he'll be a debtor to no man. And there are three levels of giving, tithes, offerings, and missions. And I'm reminded of the men stranded on an island, and they was out on a cruise one day, just the two of them, and a storm came up and marooned him on an island. One man suddenly got underneath the coconut tree and busted the coconut open, and he's drinking the coconut milk. Another guy's running the, around the island like a lunatic. And finally he came around, and he said, man, he said, what are you doing? Aren't you worried at all? He said, don't you know that we're going to die here on this island, and we're going to rot, and nobody will know what happened to us? The man looked up, sipping on his uh, coconut milk. He said, just calm down. He said, I'm a millionaire. I make a million dollars a day. And I tithe every Sunday on the seven million that I make through the week. He said, you can calm down. I promise you, our pastor will find us. <laughs> Amen. 
You know, God's able. He'll never fail. I remember when we were in Wyoming and we were living in straight, we moved out on 35% support. Peggy said, I'll go anywhere as long as you got a Walmart. And so we got there. They had an Alco and a Pomida, and uh, they were Walmart wannabes. And uh, so we moved in. We'd been there for about a month. She said, you know what? I just realized I moved here, and they don't have a Walmart. Our closest independent Baptist church from us was 110 miles one way. And um, we were there, and we were struggling, and we were, I won't get into all of it, but we were needing $1,500 to pay some bills. And we had been praying and praying and praying, and it just seemed like the Lord hadn't sent it. And long story short, we came in from a trip we was on uh, out on, in the ministry and came in, pastor called and said, Preacher, you might want to get over here to the church. You got some mail. It looks like one of them might have a check in it. Now, how you knew that, I don't know. But he, he said, it looks like one of them might be money. Well, that's all I needed because we needed money, all right? And so we rushed over to the church, got our mail, trying to get ready to move back out on another meeting. And we're going down the road, and I opened the envelope, and it was a church. They had closed down. In fact, they'd done something that almost never happens. They were split off a church across town uh, some uh, couple decades, I believe it was, ago, and they had closed the church down and merged back with the church they had split off of. You almost never hear that. And they said, we've sold all the assets, liquidated it, and we divided it among all the missionaries and your portions included. Well, when I looked at the check, we'd been praying for $1,500. The check was $1,499.97. Three pennies short of what we'd been praying for. And somebody says, well, I guess God didn't answer that prayer. What are you talking about? I had three pennies in my pocket. God had wondrously provided that. And the Bible says that God is able. Give and it shall be given unto you. God said, you take the first step. And somebody says, it don't matter what you do or what you give. God doesn't matter. God don't care. Well, let's look at the next phrase quickly. Notice the Bible says, give. And it shall be given unto you. And then notice that phrase, good measure. God said, I'm going to give it back and I'm going to give it by good measure. Now, the good measure in that passage of Scripture literally means the quality connected with the standard or the portion of the gift. So you know what God's saying? God said, I'm looking, and I command you to give. You take the first step. And when we take the first step, God looks over heaven, and God says, okay. I see what you gave. I see the amount, the quality, and the abundance. And God says, now I'm going to give back according to what you gave. Now, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel tonight. I'm preaching the text. I don't believe in a prosperity gospel. If you give with the motive of getting, you have the wrong motivation. So God says, give, and I'll give back good measure. And so we find that God will look at the quality, the quantity of our gift that we step out by faith and God said, I will give back according to what you give. I'm reminded of the church that was passing the offering plate and there was a, again a millionaire in the church and he would always tip a dollar in the offering plate. This time the offering plates passed back through the uh, congregation and a piece of plaster fell out of the uh, roof and hit the man on the head and he turned around and said, hey, bring that offering plate back. Pulled a $100 bill out and flopped it in the plate. And the deacon in the back was overheard crying, hit him again, Lord, hit him again. 
God gives accordingly. May I just say this tonight, and I'm trying to run through it, and I don't like to shout out of the meeting on preaching on money and giving, but I'm telling you tonight, it's as much a part of missions as anything that we preach this week. What we're willing, well, let me just put it this way. Our image of God will determine what and how much we're willing to give. It will determine how far we're willing to go with God and how much we're willing to give to God. Not just money, finances, everything. You see, I've met some people tonight, their God's not big enough to even provide a McDonald's Happy Meal for their children. Now, I'm for sacrifice. Don't misunderstand me. Don't misunderstand me. But is God so broke he can't provide a happy meal for your children? Is he that broke? I'm for sacrifice. We went in to buy a fifth wheel, and we were sitting there, and the gentleman asked for um, the down payment. And I told him, I said, sir, I don't have the money. He said, you don't have the money? I said, no, sir, I don't have the money. But I will write you a post-dated check. Give me two weeks to pray it in, and I'll have it. And he said, Daddy, I want a Coca-Cola. It's 50 cents. I said, son, be quiet. He said, Daddy, I want a Coca-Cola. And uh, the salesman overheard it. And I said to him, I said, son, we don't have the money to buy a Coca-Cola. Be quiet. And I'm trying to buy uh, a fifth wheel and invest thousands of dollars. I don't even have a down payment. I'm going to have to write a post-dated check. And I don't even have 50 cents in my pocket to buy Randy a Coca-Cola. Am I telling the truth, Miss Ellis? And the salesman said, buy that boy a Coca-Cola. I said, I ain't got it. And he pulled out 50 cents and bought him a Coca-Cola. I wasn't embarrassed at all. God used the heathen to provide it. Let him do it. Some people have problems, and we don't approach those that are barbaric and heathen and worldly and, a carna- and stooped in carnality. But God allowed Egypt, uh, when, the, when the Israelites left out of Egypt, he allowed them to spoil the Egyptians. And when Paul landed on the island when he left, they came out and laden him with such things as were necessary. God would use the heathen's finances. I was riding with a man some years ago. Brother Chamberlain would probably remember the guy if I called his name. And uh, we're going, was, in fact, was going up New England states to preach over in New Jersey, Leesburg area, back in those days. And uh, we're going through a, uh, the tunnel, the Potomac River, I believe it was. And uh, he said, um, Dolly Parton sent me a big check here a while back. I said, really? I said, what would you do with it? He said, I sent it back to her and said, bless God, I ain't going to take the devil's money. And it was a substantial, I mean, in a few hundred thousand dollars. I said, you got to be kidding me. He said, well, what would you have done? I said, I'd spend every penny for the glory of God. And he got mad at me. It was a long trip. All I'm saying is, God's able to make all grace and all abundance abound to his glory tonight. Pastor came to one of his members and said to him, said, now, Mr. Jones, if you had $2 million, would you be willing to give God one? He said, yes, preacher, you know I would. He said, Mr. Jones, if you had two houses, would you be willing to give one to God? He said, now, preacher, you know I would if I had two houses. I'd give one of them to God. He said, Mr. Jones, 
if you had two cows, would you give one of them to God? He said, preacher, that ain't fair. You know I got two cows. Matthew 7 and 2, with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Thirdly and quickly tonight, God makes room for a greater return. We can never outgive God. The Bible said, press down and shaken together. God not only just gives back in the proportion, but God gives in abundance. He presses it down. He makes room for more, for a greater offering and a greater return. Press down means to pack, to compress, and shaken together means to waver, to agitate, to stir up. When I was a little boy, I had a, a, literally a piggy bank. Now they call piggy banks and they're all kind of things. They have no pig about them. But I had a real piggy bank. And uh, every time I'd have family come over, they'd stick quarters in there. That's what everybody gave me was quarters. I had my Uncle Dwight come over one time. And uh, he said, you still got your piggy bank? I said, I sure do. He said, go get it. So I went and got my piggy bank. He stuck a couple quarters in it, and the next ones wouldn't go in. He said, well, I guess it's full. I can't do anything about it. And he stuck his quarters back in his pocket. I said, hold on, Uncle Dwight. And I shook that thing upside down, turned it around like that, and put it up, and did it like this, and tilted it forward to make some room. I said, try it now. And he emptied his pocket. And that's what God said he would do. He would press down, shake together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. I was preaching in a church within a couple of hours of this church, our home church. It's been a few years back, and the preacher, they had not given him a salary in one year. He had to get rid of some of his staff. They couldn't make the church payments. And I went and preached a stewardship conference for him. And on one night when I began to preach on the tithe, you see a lot of people think tithes is just strictly Old Testament. It's not. Jesus confirmed it twice in the New Testament. In fact, 1 Corinthians 9 substantiates the tithe under Paul's writing to the church at Corinth and even gives the example of what it's to be used for. And so I was preaching about it, and two of the church members, he came to me and said, Brother Ellis, he said, two of my greatest givers left the church tonight. I said, I'm sorry. I almost called the preacher's name. I don't want to do that. I said, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend anybody. Just preaching the Bible. He said, no, it's fine. I said, I'll promise you, God will make it up. We preached the meeting. I called him back. because I always follow up in phone calls and touching base with the preacher after meetings. And I said, how are things going? He said, going pretty good. He said, the church paid me a whole year's back salary. He said, we caught up on our church payments. We've taken on five new missionaries. And I called him back. I was about six or eight months later. He said, Brother Ellis, we paid off the debt of the church, got 30-something thousand dollars in the bank account. We support 25 missionaries now. He said, God is able. That's the Lord. Give and it shall be given unto you pressed down and shaken together. And then, quickly tonight, the Bible says running over. God returns more than is giving. Running over means to pour, to overflow. I had an uncle um, years ago, and I remember even my grandpa. He drank his coffee, had a little saucer plate, and he'd fill it to the brim, and he wouldn't sip out of his plate. He'd just take it and dip it over into the plate and slurp it out of the saucer. Remember those? I never could figure it out. Of course, he was smoking his Prince Albert in between sips, but he was. <laughs> and, uh, but it would run over. We 
reap more than we sow. The Bible says in Hosea 8, 7 that they had sown to the wind and they shall reap the whirlwind. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9 and 10, Paul said to the church that he would lay up treasure into their account in heaven. I was preaching a meeting in Montana, just north of Kalispell some years ago, and it was in a Faith Promise Missions conference. And a man came to me and said, Brother Ellis, I need prayer because God's dealing with me about something. And I'm not implying God's calling anybody to do this tonight. I believe God does lead people to do things that he doesn't lead others to do. But he said, my wife and I are struggling about buying a brand new truck. And he said the payments of that truck are substantial. Even back then, this was 20-something years ago, was going to be almost $700 a month. And uh, he said, he said, I'm struggling because it seemed like the Holy Spirit keeps saying, if you can afford a $700 a month payment for a truck, you can afford to give that to the Ministry of Missions and Evangelization. And he said, I'm struggling with it. Well, I'm not going to tell a man how to spend his money. I just said, brother, you're going to have to do what God bids you to do. You need to go counsel with your pastor. He said, I did, and the preacher told me to come to you. <laughs> God bless the preacher. <laughs> I prayed with him. I said, go counsel with your pastor. He's your spiritual advisor. I said, all I can say is you've got to do what God bids you do. He came in on Sunday morning. He said, Brother Ellis, I've got it settled. He said, my wife and I, we were down there getting ready to sign on the dotted line. And you know, he said, I was so troubled. I just said to the gentleman, he said, I'm sorry, I can't do this. God's led me to give this money to missions. He said, what? He said, God's led me to give this to missions. And so he walked out and didn't get it. He made the commitment. Two weeks later, the pastor called me. He said, Brother Ellis, you know that man in the truck situation? I said, yes, sir, I sure do. He said, can I tell you what happened to him? I said, I'd love to hear it. He said he was working and their work was laying people off. And said they called him into the office just a couple weeks after the conference and said to him, said, I walked in, the owner of the company was there. The plant supervisor was there. My immediate supervisor was there. And said, I went into the office and I'm thinking, okay, I'm on the chopping block. And I've just made all this commitment to God's work. And they said, we've been watching you. And he thought, okay, what have I done now? He said, we've been watching you. And the plant supervisor is getting ready to retire. And we've been watching you, your integrity, your character, your work ethics. And we would like to offer you this position as a plant supervisor. And they said to him, with this is going to come this much money of an increase. And he went from uh, two digits into the triple digits. And they said, with that also is going to come this much vacation time. And with this also is going to come every single year a brand new truck from the company and we'll pay the gas, we'll pay the oil, we'll pay for the tires, we'll pay for the mount, uh, for all of it for the maintenance. We'll take care of it. And he said, I'll take it. And they said, now with this you can also use it on your own personal use. All you got to do is keep up with the log, the mileage you had for yourself. Use it. He said, preacher, God not only met my faith promise need, he gave me a brand new truck every 12 months and it's all provided for. That's the God we serve. I was preaching in a church in South Dakota they had a three-quarter of a million dollar balloon debt coming, and this has been some years ago. 
And a man that night was broken by the power and the Spirit of God. And he came forward that night and he pulled the preacher aside and he said, Preacher, I've had an investment in this and, and uh, he had a million dollars coming in that week for his investments that he had. And he said, Preacher, the Holy Spirit of God has impressed on my heart to pay the church's debt and pay the money that's owed and give the balance to the church. That's the God we serve. Give and it shall be given unto you. God will be a debtor to no man, no woman, no boy, no girl, and no church or ministry. I believe one of the reasons God's blessed Rock of Ages over the years, not because of Dr. Blue or Dr. Garris or myself. I'll tell you why God's blessed Rock of Ages. It's not all about us. A few years back, we raised $45,000 to help a ministry buy paper for their presses. Last year, and I mentioned the other day, 93500 for a Middle Eastern ministry. 66000 plus for Brazilian ministry. And it's missionaries that don't have hardly anything who's willing to step out by faith. Am I telling the truth, Brother Chamberlain? People come, preachers from all over America, and preach in our conference and say, we've never seen it on that fashion before. Yes. I'm talking missionaries that own deputation and don't have enough to even pay the gas to get to their next meeting sometime who make a commitment and God provides. Right. And we're going into a recession and we're worried as if God is broke and if God has no funding and as God had known it all. has to do with our heart. There's all kind of illustrations. I need to close. Okay, preacher? If I can take five minutes, I'll close. One of our missionaries came with us a few years back, Brother Frank Patton. He has to have somebody drive him to a meeting. He's not able to drive because of his health. And he shared this testimony in the applicant classes. He said, I had a pile of dirt, a mound of dirt in the front of my yard. And he said, I couldn't do anything with it. My help, I just couldn't do it. He said, and I started praying, Lord, could you move that mound of dirt for me? God, would you move that mound of dirt? He said, it wasn't too long. There was a knock on his door. And somebody was standing there with construction outfit on and so forth in a construction truck working on the road. They said to him, sir, are you the owner of this property? He said, I am. He said, I've got a question for you. We're doing a, a project, a job up the road here, and we're needing some field dirt. And I noticed in front of your yard, you got a big mound of dirt out there. Sir, would you be interested in selling that? He said, boy, would I ever. He said, you know, God moved my mound of dirt and paid me on top of it. That's a God we serve. They give it into your bosom. And I'll not get into the significance of that. Can we go ahead and come to the pianos and the instruments tonight? Last but not least, quickly. God bless us according to the measure of our gift. For with what measure you meet, that wherewithal it shall be measured to you again. May I just say to you tonight, 
God's able. He's not broke. He's not busted. We just got to trust him. I put our faith in him. Depression, recession, it doesn't matter. God's on the throne. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Our fathers, we bow before you tonight. I pray that you'll take these few short words from the scriptures, burn them deep into our hearts. Lord, teach us to trust you. Teach us to act in obedience. I pray and ask these things tonight in Christ's name. As folks are coming tonight, if you need to come, why don't you come? Every missionary here tonight could testify of the great abundance of God, the great abundance of the Lord. God's able. Don't get discouraged. Have patience. Persevere. Let God work on God's timetable, not yours. And see God work.